spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. Today we have our usual Friday look at what happened in the grain markets this week. Markets were volatile, but wheat is down slightly. Canola made gains of $18 a tonne. We have a feature interview with the president of Saskatchewan Trade and Export Partnership, which says agriculture led the way for Saskatchewan exports in 2020. We have some advice about calving in bitterly cold weather. And a look at a new documentary on food and food production. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain. Helping growers contract any type of grain, call one 800 324-7778. Grain prices were mixed this week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says canola was up $18 a ton for the week, while wheat futures were down about $0.04 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front here, March canola is approximately higher by $18 a ton here on the week. Again, the, the March contract, uh, the liquidity is starting to decline here. Or again, it's not going to be the front month. The May is going to be the next month here. And the May is actually at a contract uh, high here as we're talking mid-morning. So canola still on the positive trend higher. When it comes to the wheat front, March Minneapolis wheat is lower by approximately four cents on the week. Uh, this was definitely a, a bit of a, a volatile week here with the USDA report on Tuesday. Numbers came out on the stock side from the U.S. and world a little bit higher than expected for both corn and soybeans. So uh, traders weren't expecting uh, some of those numbers. So we did see uh, a fairly large decline on the soybean market, down about 45 cents uh, on the day there on Tuesday. And since then, it's recovered slightly from those lows. But we are starting to kind of see maybe a bit of profit-taking here kind of on the soy markets. Again, while there wasn't a, a recovery, recovery bounce, it seems, uh, this might not be enough to fully correct the kind of the overbought condition already on the soy markets. So that's one thing to definitely keep an eye on for canola to see if that might spill over to that grain there. However, I'm starting to still see positive technicals for canola again, May breaking out to new highs on the contract. And that's still positive for next week. Yeah, so what is the outlook for next week and beyond? Well, what I'm seeing here really is closing lower here. If the soybean and corn markets close lower on the day here for the week, I think that is a bit of a bearish development here. And after kind of some choppy kind of sideways trends, that's one thing to keep in mind as well going into this long weekend with U.S., 
markets and Canadian markets being closed on Monday. Export sales were higher than anticipated, and there are still some concerns over extreme cold temperatures moving into the U.S. Plains and Midwest. So that could affect kind of the wheat markets there. However, again, if funds want to start taking some profit here on on corn and beans, I think that definitely will spill over to the wheat markets and uh, something to keep an eye on. Adam Piccalo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. Saskatchewan exports jumped 2.5% in 2020, the only province in Canada to see growth in exports during the coronavirus. The president of Saskatchewan Trade and Export Partnership, Chris Decker, says agriculture led the way in improved exports last year. Put these into, into quick context, Jim. The, the, the importance of exports to the Saskatchewan economy is, is paramount. We're one of the most export-dependent provinces, one of the most export-dependent countries in the world. Anywhere from between one in five and one in three jobs in Saskatchewan depend on exports. So any amount of increase is, is great news. And then, as you noted, in 2020, we saw a 2.5% increase in Saskatchewan. In this, in spite of an overall decrease uh, nationally of nearly 12%. And it really speaks to the diversification of the Saskatchewan economy and our strong agriculture and ag commodity and agri-food industry. Outline a little bit more for me. What were the main increases in exports agriculturally? Well, exports highlights included a 15% increase in wheat, 32% in durum, 47% in canola seed, a 63% increase in peas, and a 96% increase in lentils. So our major markets really came to the fore and understood that Saskatchewan has what they need. The, the, the need to feed the world does not pause for pandemic. You know, with the coronavirus, the first thing you think of, of course, is your health, but second thing you think of is food supply and food security. Well, that's just it, and that is what Saskatchewan has to, has to offer. You know, there's been no greater adversity uh, for international engagement than that which would, had been generated by the COVID-19 pandemic, flattening the curve meant ever-expanding levels of restrictions to international engagement, to travel, to gathering, and a lot of those are elements of, of the international buying uh, buying community but we we reacted very quickly we uh, pivoted our resources to virtual and web-based opportunities and made sure that saskatchewan was still on the international stage and we think and, and hope that that helped a great deal what were some of the main markets for saskatchewan products well we were pleased with a, a substantive increase to china we had an increase of about 33 percent to uh, just over four billion in 2020 after that, Japan, India, and Brazil rounded up our top five international market destinations. It's interesting to note that out of all of our key markets, China is the only economy that actually grew during 2020. So these increases occurred in spite of the significant impact COVID-19 had on worldwide markets. Your release also points there was some downside, though. Outline that for me. So the United States dropped significantly, about 18.2% uh, 18 .2 to about just over $13 billion. But that was mostly due to the price of a barrel of oil, which is an international phenomenon. You know, total exports are a function of two things, the volume and the price you get for it. The volumes haven't changed, but certainly the price has. And that's what the major decrease in the United States has been. What is the outlook for 2021? We follow most of the major financial institutions and economic think tanks in terms of their predictions and forecasts for Saskatchewan's economy, and all are saying we should have healthy growth 
in 2021 compared to 2020. And because of our inextricably intertwined relationship with exports, we believe that our exports in that year should grow between 3 and 5%. What areas will see that kind of growth? I think you'll continue to see the same growth in agri-food, agri-commodities. A lot of our value-added opportunities will be of interest to the international marketplace. Manufacturing remains a strong option for uh, international buyers, and we had a very good year in our forest products industries, and we feel that those will continue through the next year. Chris Decker is the president and CEO of Saskatchewan Trade and Export Partnership. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. Recently at realagriculture.com, Kara Oosterhouse had a chance to talk to Nutrien's lead meteorologist. It is Eric Snodgrass. And they talked about some of these cold temperatures being found right now on the prairies and give a bit of an outlook in terms of precipitation for the upcoming year. Well, you know, the beginning of this winter was was kind of boring. It really didn't do what we thought it was going to do, which was we had a La Nina brewing in the Pacific. And generally, that tends to bring in a lot of cold air that comes out of British Columbia, through Alberta, through Saskatchewan, over to Manitoba. And we tend to get a lot of cold air early in the season that lasts through much of winter, and we just didn't see it. You go back to much of December and uh, and January, we had a mild pattern. So that's been one surprise that I think has hit a lot of us so far this year, that the cold really just started to come on here now that we got into the month of February. I mean, the real cold, the stuff where we're seeing these minus 30, minus 40 degree temperatures and the wind chills much colder than that. And it's been interesting because we had a split in the polar vortex and normally that's a, you know, that sends off all the bells and whistles to look out for brutal cold, but guess where it went? It went to Siberia and Kazakhstan and China first. It's deer sweet time coming around. So I think that's been the biggest surprise to start the season. Uh, and uh, we'll have to see how long this cold now that it's here lasts for. But there is something about February, I think. You know, it just seems to always be, January can be a bit of a toss-up, but February seems to always be cold, especially across the prairies. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how many of us are too, too surprised, but there has been a bit of a lack of moisture in the prairies. I mean, like, especially Western, Western North America is really dry right now. What are we anticipating for, for moisture? Can, can farmers have any hope of seeing any, any precipitation this year? Well, you know, what's strange about drought in winter in the Western half of North America and the Canadian prairie is that we typically don't make any changes at all to our drought monitor drought profile or anything because the soil freezes over so we just can't get moisture into it in the first place we have to wait till the spring melts and we've got to get a good mountain snowpack in order to make a big dent in that so looking across uh you know the the u.s we still have 60 percent of the lower 48 in drought and uh, it's extensive across our four corner states it stretches into the northern plains of the u.s so think north south dakota montana and, uh, and then that extends into parts of the southern Canadian prairie. And looking at some satellite data, you know, we could tell that probably the place that seems to be the driest right now gets over to parts of southern Saskatchewan, but then really into southern Manitoba. And that's an area where we're going to have to wait for some 
melt of snow and then the spring thaw and hopefully some good early rains just to bring that moisture profile back up. So yes, we're, we're very dry and about the only place that's made any sort of progress uh, this year on, on the drought situation for us in the states has been uh, parts of Washington state, a little bit Oregon, California's hurting pretty bad. They had one, just one decent week of onshore flow that uh, helped bring them out of a major snow deficit. I mean, it's amazing. Parts of the Sierra Nevada mountains got over 120 inches of snow in about a five-day stretch. Uh, through the Corn Belt, through the Southern Plains, the Central Plains, the Northern Plains of the U.S., we are very concerned about what this means going into spring. And then it extends into the Canadian Prairie where we know the drier conditions exist. I was talking to a fertilizer market analyst a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the Mississippi and how it tends, it, it, it's, there's real concern there this year. Um, is there any hope for snowpack that, uh, up there that could actually bring some moisture into the Mississippi? You know, what's strange this year is that the, the, there's been a bit of a snow drought at the headwaters of both the Missouri and the Mississippi River. So we, we continue to send systems to the south of it. I mean, I have seen so many huge snowstorms in Northern Texas and Oklahoma that go over to like the, 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 the Washington DC and, and the Northeast. And they just keep kind of going around the Great Lakes. They keep going around the Northern Plains. And if we don't start filling that in, you know, there are places in North Dakota, just looking at some data from the US here, that are sitting like 20 to 25 inches below where they should be so far this year with snow. And we start to get concerned that if that doesn't fill in, well, where's the moisture gonna come from in spring when the melt is supposed to happen to help that out? You can hear the rest of our discussion with Eric Snodgrass of Nutrien on the weather patterns for 2021 by going to realagriculture.com slash live. This has been your Real Agriculture update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Canola and its beautiful bright yellow flower blankets the prairies every growing season with 20 million plus acres. There's one place you need to go to get all your canola agronomic information, canolaschool.com. That's where you'll find all you need to know about seeding, disease, weeds and insects, harvest and marketing. Engaging and informative content all at your fingertips when you need the information. Visit canolaschool.com brought to you by Invigor Hybrid Canola and BSF Canada. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devon at 352-1866. Partly cloudy sky today, wind northwest 20, the high minus 26, the low minus 36. Wind chill minus 40 this evening and minus 46 overnight, frostbite in minutes. Tomorrow, mainly sunny, wind up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high minus 26 Saturday, wind chill minus 42 in the morning and minus 36 in the afternoon. Frostbite in minutes, the low minus 36. Sunday, sunny, the high minus 22, the low minus 31. Monday, sunny, the high minus 17, the low minus 27. Tuesday, sunny, the high minus 15, the low minus 19. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 10, the low minus 13. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high minus 4. Normal high for this date, minus 7, the normal low, minus 19. The sun rose at 8.15 this morning. It sets at 6.10 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Wasika at minus 20 degrees, the cold spot, south end up north at minus 32. Esteban minus 26, Saskatoon minus 25, 
Swift Current, minus 24, Weyburn, minus 27, and Yorkton, minus 31 degrees. In Regina, with sunny skies, it's minus 27, that's 17 below Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north-northwest at 19, giving a wind chill right now of minus 39. Humidity, 68%, thermometer rising, 103.5. Ice crystals in Moose Jaw, minus 24, winds are from the northwest at 22. Once again, Regina, sunny and minus 27, that's 17 below Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. A huge part of Canada has been suffering through bitterly cold weather. There may be a break early next week. That's welcome news for cattle producers who are in the middle of calving season. The lead on beef production and extension with Alberta beef producers, Karen Schmidt, has some recommendations on keeping calves healthy. I think the biggest thing is that it really doesn't take very long uh, when you have fresh calves in this kind of weather for them to become very, very cold and, and hypothermic, and, and that's very problematic. Um, so there, there are a few few different considerations that we like to remind producers of in, in this kind of weather, for sure. One of the main things is uh, to check your cows regularly because it really it doesn't take long for those calves to become hypothermic when it's this cold. So even if you can move the cows close to calving uh, into an easily accessible area, then, then you can check on them more easily and, and hopefully get to those calves right away if, if if they do happen to to be born. Um, feeding cows in the evening can encourage them to calve during the day rather than at night, which just makes it easier on, on yourself when you're, when you're out there dealing with them. I think the second thing is that we really need to provide shelter and lots of bedding. Keep them out of the wind, keep them as clean and dry as possible. This will really help the calves get a good start. And then uh, have a backup plan to warm up the calves. Um, if the dam isn't licking them dry, dry them off with a towel, uh, maybe put them in a hot box, set up heat lamps in the barn. Um, even if you have to move them to another area, a heated garage or a shop or the cab of your truck, if necessary, anywhere where you can get them out of the weather and get them warm enough. Um, if calves are severely hypothermic, you might want to try a warm water bath. You have to switch out the water quite regularly to keep it above temperature so they can they can warm up or get some warm liquids into them um, the next thing is to make sure that calves get lots of colostrum so colostrum is that first milk it provides immune support for the calves you're looking to get at least two liters in them within the first two hours of life and then another two liters in the next eight to twelve hours uh, and that will help them get up get going really uh, help them to uh, kind of fight off this cold weather. And the last thing to remember is that for the cows, the energy requirements increase in cold weather. So you need to provide supplemental grain or pellets. We're looking at about another pound or pound and a half per head per day for about every five degrees that it drops below minus 20. 
degrees Celsius at midday so that the cows can meet those increased nutritional needs and, and keep their body temperature up. That's Karen Schmidt with Alberta Beef Producers. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by Canadian AgriBlend. Ask for the livestock products at your feed dealer or for a feed dealer near you. Call 1-800-340-2311. Consumer eating habits have changed during the COVID-19 pandemic and Canada Beef has been monitoring those trends. Initially, between March and May of last year, there was a huge shift in buying patterns from restaurants to supermarkets as nearly everyone ate meals at home. Despite this, Canada Beef President Michael Young says total beef consumption held its own. People had no problem paying a premium to get the items they thought they were going to need for their freezers. So, you know, that's a testament to the quality of the product. And it, it does paint a picture for, you know, we can maintain this, we can hang on to this, which we certainly plan on doing. Uh, and I think we're going to come out of this with a, with a bigger and a wider market share. That's our goal. Canada Beef has seen a large increase in consumer traffic to its website, searching for a variety of information. Well, they're preparing much bigger uh, meals now, so they're reaching out for information, um, not just basic information, but everything. Like our websites, uh, we're monitoring what they're looking at, but we know they're asking us for more information on how to cook our products, different ways of using it, how to utilize Leftovers is an interesting one. We're getting a lot of comments about what do I do with leftovers because they're also all on a really, really tight food budget, which is the other thing that impacts it. When you think about it, we're the most expensive protein out there other than, you know, maybe local lamb. And we've got a lot of tight food budgets. So we need to make sure the beef assortment has value-based items for every level of shopper out there. So that's a challenge as well for us. That means greater demand for ground beef and economic beef cuts to cook at home. At certain times of the year, food service would draw on other items. Other countries would draw on other items. COVID kind of changed that whole balance of things. So uh, it's been a, quite an adjustment for the packing side to adjust uh, to opportunities for cuts that may not have been popular in this sector, but now there's an opportunity. Uh, and also to pick up the slack on some of the cuts that generally would have gone into food service that are now need to get um, funneled through the retail sectors. Canada Beef is hoping to get a bigger share of the home meal replacement market. You know, we're starting with a much larger piece. And if you're breaking it down to an actual meal kit, it, it's, it's not a roast anymore or a large steak. You're down to a single portion serving. You know, usually the meal kits, some of them are aimed at more of a foodie level where it's a bit of a complicated recipe, but most of them are kind of entry level, easy to fix, convenient. And that does lend itself up front better on you know, chicken items. So uh, we are challenged to get more beef items that are HMR friendly. And we are working with the further processing side to get those portion sizes down get the meat cut properly so that what the customer is getting or get the information they need to make sure the meat performs the way we would like it to do. So it's a challenge for us. We're not as represented as, as the others. Michael Young is the president of Canada Beef. His comments were made during an industry panel at last month's Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference. A number of provinces are still considering the offer made by Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau in December to enhance agri-stability. Bebeau had a loose deadline of January 31st for holdout provinces like Alberta, Manitoba and Saskatchewan to sign on to the improvements. 
Saskatchewan's Agriculture Minister David Merritt asked for another meeting with Bebeau and his provincial counterparts to discuss it. The federal minister said she was open to that, but that's as far as it's gone in recent days. Former Federal Agriculture Minister Jerry Ritz spoke recently about the proposals around agri-stability. Well, I find it almost hilarious that at the same time they're talking about this, the federal government is now advertising to fill the positions again on the Farm Debt Mediation Board. We haven't needed it for uh, you know, almost a decade or whatever, and now all of a sudden they're looking at that, bringing that thing back. Uh, you know, it was needed the last time the Liberals were in power, so it looks like we're going down that down, that road again. So it, it brings the, the BRM discussions more into perspective. If, if that's the route the federal government sees in the future is more farm debt mediation, then certainly BRMs need to be looked at and updated. I mean, they're, they're a living document. They need to be changed from time to time, depending on what's happening. You look at the value of ground now, the overhead that farmers are carrying and so on. Uh, when we did make those changes to agri-stability, driven by the provinces, it was a, it was a cost mechanism. And, and farmers were telling us that agri-stability was, was not the vehicle that they wanted to use. It was too cumbersome. It, the timeliness was way off. It didn't pay what they thought it should. But by lowering the margins, we were looking at studies that showed if you pay out too much, if you backstop too, too uh, grandiose, you start to interfere with the, the cost of land and the cost of inputs and so on. So there was a movement of, of foot to bring agri-stability back in line. At the same time, negative margins were addressed under agri-stability, and crop insurance was enhanced because that was the cash flow vehicle that farmers seemed to like. So everybody agreed to, or I should say the majority, agreed to that at the time, the farm groups and so on, because of the changes that were positive. And now they're saying we just need this back to 85%. And it, there's a huge cost involved, uh, but I think there's there's probably better ways to do it. I see Alberta is lowering the, the premiums on their crop insurance because they'll get better sign-up that way and, and better coverage. Uh, we had introduced other programs like the uh, cattle price insurance, uh, which were all, you know, fairly well taken up and you know there there are things that need to be done agri-stability should always be re rediscussed and, re and reassessed but at the end of the day just throwing more money at something doesn't really doesn't really help in the long term that's former federal agriculture minister jerry ritz what many expect will be a major overhaul of agri-stability will take place in about two years from now market update is brought to you by scott bjornson of hall as wealth for more information or to book a free consultation call 1-800-284-9999 and nelson gm in assiniboia and avonlea if you are a costco member get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 suvs right now viterra prices were mixed in early trading canola fell 410 at 650 57 Number one red spring wheat rose $1.52 at two seventy four ninety five. The rest unchanged. Durham three ten forty eight. Feed barley two forty seven sixty eight. Flax eight zero one zero eight. Lentils six oh two fifty. Oats two twenty nine fifty three. Yellow peas three eighty eighty nine. Feed wheat one eighty three seventy two. The Minneapolis spring wheat March futures are up five and three quarter cents at six twenty two. A bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn 842-4574. And now the latest quotes. This is Graham Barnett with the Market Report Heartland Livestock here in Moose Jaw. Really no cattle on offer here in Moose Jaw due to the severe cold this week. Regular sale of cows, bulls, and yearlings here next Thursday. Next pre-sorted yearling sales, Tuesday, February 23rd. Looks like a good run for that one expected. This is Graham Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices from yesterday, 166.01 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report.
This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. A registered vet technologist says planning for large-scale emergencies is important for both human and animal safety. Lorraine Serienko has volunteered at many recent emergency events like the Fort McMurray wildfire and the Prairie Fire in southwest Saskatchewan. She believes lessons have been learned with each response. She explains that through no fault of the rescue organization involved, animals from the LaRange fire in 2015 were scattered in different locations, and some animals didn't get returned. Later, with the Fort McMurray fire, the rescued animals were all located on one site. One of the challenges, Serienko says, were the rogue rescuers who were going into the fire without permission, putting themselves and the animals at risk, and the people who had to go in to find them. Serienko estimates over 1,000 cattle died in the one fire. She says organizing mental health supports was a big part of the response for producers and for volunteers because of what they experienced, dealing with the cattle that died in the fire and having to euthanize others. Serienko spoke at an emergency preparedness webinar hosted by the Saskatchewan SPCA. Stats Canada says wholesale sales dropped 1.3% in December to $66.5 billion. The federal agency says it was the first monthly decline after seven consecutive increases. It says the drop was due to sharply lower sales of vehicles, one of the largest categories of wholesale trade. But wholesale trade in December was still up compared with the pre-pandemic levels of last February as sales of building materials and supplies jumped 12.2%. On the markets, Canada's main stock index was little changed in late morning trading despite an uptick in some cannabis stocks, while U.S. stocks were mixed and the Canadian dollar softened. The TSX Composite Index was up two points at 18,395. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 26 points at 31,404. The Canadian dollar traded at 78.68 cents U.S. compared with 78.83 cents Thursday. The March crude oil contract was up 19 cents at 58.43 per barrel. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This spring, apply pre-emergent edge microactive group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada.